around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number two letter you.org it's season two of torah pearls i'm jono and joining me in the virtual truth to you studio all the way from ireland is jason of spiritualbabies.net hey go mate doing well doing well nice to hear your voice again and in indonesia is the author of let's get biblical why doesn't judaism accept the christian messiah volumes one and two you can get a copy you can get a copy on amazon you can get a copy on his website which is outreachjudaism.org that's outreachjudaism.org welcome back to the program rabbi tobia singer hey great to be back it's wonderful to have both of you gentlemen thank you for being patient while i moved house one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is pack up all my belongings and move them to another house and unpack them i just could do it every week now you know what it's like <laughs> to be a jew you're always on the run <laughs> that's uh. true that's true <laughs> Oh my goodness, I'm glad it's over. But uh, yes, uh, dear listeners, thank you for being patient. I had to move. And, you know, Jason wasn't feeling well. You're feeling better now, my friend? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm ready to go. So we missed we missed last week's Torah Pearls, but we'll catch up again next year. Now we are in Kitabo. Now, Kitabo, it begins in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1. Mm, right. It begins like this. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from that land, the land that the Lord is giving you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall, now Toby, you shall go to one of the priests in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God mm-hmm. that I have come to the country which the Lord swore uh, our fathers to give us. And then the priest shall take the basket out of, out of uh, your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And, and you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. Now, this is what I've got in my New King James Study Bible, this Christian translation. This is what I have, Tavia. My father was a Syrian about to perish, mm. and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, uh, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. Uh, okay, well, so we okay. Got, Let, we let's stop a, there. Let's stop there. Now, two two questions, obviously. Yes. Uh, saying to the priest, the Lord, your God. Right. Secondly, my father was a Syrian, Tavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to open this all up. The last Torah portion, incidentally, is the record breaker, Kisaitse had over 70 commandments. There's no portion of, that has that many commandments. This portion we're going to right now has only two, and this is the one called, this is the commandment called Bikurim, the first fruits. And, uh, with you know, this has been the theme since we have gone to Toll Pearls 2.0, and that is the connection between the land and God, heaven and earth. And the person who has the first fruits, the, the person, the farmer has to bring these first fruits to Jerusalem and make this declaration. Now, in the he, what is he talking about? Who is Aramean? Like, where does that come from? And what is the blessing? And what is, what is he replying? So this is a reference to someone who we've discussed many times. Who is this Aramean who you're father work for I, I don't even have Aramean I've got Syrian and then it says <laughs> my father my father was a Syrian this is why the this is when why. people ask me can I take a King James Bible in the bathroom I tell them that the question you should be asking is can you take it out of the bathroom <laughs> so <laughs> that's the real <laughs> the question 
are you allowed to remove it from a bathroom? So, so the word is Arami, Ovid Avi. That means in Aramean. This is very, very famous. This is an event that occurred. And that is that Jacob, who is our father, it's not mm-hmm. fathers, but father, who worked for the Aramean. Who was the Aramean? Who was Maybe. the loved one? Now, lo- now we ha- what is happening here is critical. This goes back t- to the very, very beginning. God makes promises to Abraham. But now, as the Jewish people are about to go into the land of Israel, everything is going to gel, going to solidify. The Jewish people are going to be are going to observe the Torah. They're going to be priests to the world, which we'll talk about soon. Mm-hmm. And all the promises will be fulfilled before our eyes. But the Jewish people, it's a contract. This is a bliss, a covenant that's going to come here. And it's two-sided. On one side, God kept his promise. And on the other side, uh, we must keep our end of the covenant. Now, let's think about Lovon. What happened with Lovon? Lovon was the one who tricked Jacob. And Jacob what Jacob wound up marrying Leah first instead of Rachel. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Eventually, eventually, everything from that single event, everything unfolds from there. If it hadn't been for Lovin, things would have gone in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been for Lovin, for example, Jacob would have married Rachel first, not Leah. Imagine mm-hmm. that for a moment. Imagine if Jacob had not been tricked. Now, at the time, it was a catastrophe, I would imagine, for Jacob. It was a very... Di- but imagine if it didn't happen. That means that who would have been, who would have been the first wife would have been Rachel. He would have been, she would have been the wife. Who would yeah. have been the firstborn? It would have been Joseph. Oh, if it would have been Joseph, who was the firstborn, would the other brothers have likely been envious of their no. brother? No. What does that mean? If they wouldn't have been envious, they would have never sold him into slavery. If right. they never would have sold him into slavery, he would have never no, walked up to Egypt. Let's, yeah. I want to go through this, sweethearts, because this is very big in what uh-huh. we are seeing in the news today. I want you to follow and see what God has done. And this is what's going on. If he would have not gone, been sold to slavery, he would not gone to Egypt. If he had not been in Egypt, he would never have been working for Potiphar, his, whose wife tried to seduce him. He would have never wound up in prison. He would have never wound up becoming the viceroy of Egypt because he gave a pharaoh, he interpreted his dream properly, and then he would have never been enabled the Jewish people to save the Jewish people and save this family and bring them down to Egypt where they eventually be redeemed. Now, oh, now this is unbelievable, which means that sometimes we see things. Like just now in the news, the, the Obama has now got all the Democrats he needs to pass this Iranian thing. It looks terrible. But what we are declaring here is that we sometimes don't understand history. But now when we can look back at all history and see what is gone, we realize it really was all a blessing. But at the time, we couldn't know it. And that's what's being declared over here, that really God, that he took my father. You ha- this is the declaration that the president think about this you mm. this is agricultural you're in the land moses is not going to accompany them he says when you go there take your first fruits 
bring them in a basket to Jerusalem. Don't go eating it right away. Bring it. That in itself is a declaration. Standing there with your fruits in your basket. And then you have to make this declaration that God kept all of his promises. And here you see, now you see what happened. Look at the passage. And there we became a great nation, great and mighty. And then what it says next verse, verse 6. And the, the, the Egyptians saw us, and they oppressed us. And then what happened? That God saved us, God redeemed mm-hmm. us. So what I've spelt out for you, that it all was triggered by an event, which yes. at the time seemed like a disaster, but turned into, it really was the trigger that brought about our salvation is what must be declared by the person who's bringing, this is called Bikurim, from the word bchor, same word means the first fruits that are brought uh, forth to uh, brought forth to the kohen to the priest. It's an obligation. This and then once a person brings the bikurim, the first fruits, which is really of the seven species, then the person is welcome to go and enjoy their produce and so on. But the first fruits have to go to the kohen. It says to the kohen of that time because, as our sages expound on this, that it's true at this time in the Torah the the priests were very, very holy, very righteous people. So the priests weren't the best people, but it made no difference who it was. The priest is the one who it has to be brought before. So now you bring it to the priest. Now, is there? it just seems a little interesting the way that it says uh, that you shall uh, say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God when you bring it to the priest. Uh, it notes here that the Septuagint reads, my God, the Lord, my God. Is there anything in that or is this just a little thing? No, no, not at all. It, there's, first of all, whenever it says the Septuagint says, so you have to know this is nonsense. Because mm-hmm. if whoever put that in there has a copy of the actual Septuagint, then he's a billionaire because right. no one has it. That means he, that means whoever put that in here, I, whoever put that in there, he's either making it up or he has a copy of something that no one in the world has. The Septuagint was lost. Septuagint was was burnt in a fire in, Alex, in the Alexandrian Library and all went up. No one has that. So what you have is Greek later many many Greek translations, and those Greek translations, of course, play with the text all over and try to make it and so on, in in different ways and so on but in fact the Kohen has unique um, a, a unique relationship with God remember the Kohen has a special uh, uh, on his forehead for God that oh means yeah that's the crown yeah. yeah therefore it's not that it, so the priest represents God not a God in a Christological way but he is the one who is is the one who blesses the Jewish people, mm. who is the one who represents God's will. And therefore, you give it to the priest, and therefore, it's not any god. It's not the the god or the banana god or the monkey god. It's the <laughs> god of Israel. It's the one that you, the sense of Aaron, are the ones that are entrusted mm-hmm. by God. And that's why it says that he, he says, I declared. That's why I use the word I declared, because actually bringing the first fruits to the Kohen in itself is a, a physical declaration. Here it is. I have brought this before. For what reason? And I make this declaration. Now, this is the declaration from one side. We're going to go to the second declaration. Is going to come up 
in in just a moment. Yeah, so it says, uh, well, let me just read from verse 9. So it talks about how they, he was mistreated in Egypt, how God brought them out of Egypt. In verse 9, he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, now behold, I have brought the first fruits mm. of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Right. Then so you, you shall set it before the to, Lord to, your God. Right. To ju- I, to, sorry, so just so you see that what what was explained in the beginning of this show that we're starting with what does love and have to do with it we're seeing the Torah outlining precisely what I've shared with you that mm-hmm. is precisely that one trigger and again we're seeing things all around us today in Iran in the United States Senate and Congress that we're going oh no this is terrible like is God going to break his covenant with Israel will Iran be able to destroy Israel God is with you do not be afraid even though it looks bad it will it'll turn for good. We can now, in hindsight, look back many times and identify this. Many people may not realize what was involved here. We, we have, um, uh, the mission of describes this in tremendous, this was a massive celebration. Bear in mind, you had farmers, whether they came from the north and done all the way down to Bersha, anywhere, and very often it was a very long journey, they would come in huge, huge, long caravans. In fact, there were so many people that they had to, like, people had to stop off and then bring them in, and there was rejoicing and singing. This was a, the Bikurim, this uh, offering, was a massive celebration and a recognition of God's presence. I, I, you may not be able to apprehend that by looking at this, but just think about this. That means all the every farmer throughout the land of Israel following Shavuot had to bring a portion. The minimum was one sixtieth of your of your uh, of your uh, harvest had to be. And so imagine that means thousands, thousands, thousands of farmers were coming up to Jerusalem. You couldn't do this back at home down in Beersheba. You couldn't do this up in the Golan Heights. You had to be in Jerusalem and coming into the temple to be able to bring this. Thousands of people would be there. This was a massive event of enormous event. scale. Just on the same, with tremendous yeah. celebration. And so it says, you shall set up before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. And it goes on to say in uh, verse 12, when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase of the, uh, in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled, then you shall say to the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have also given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it uh, when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it uh, for unclean use, nor given uh, any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey, Tobia. Oh, okay. I think it was the third year, the, the, the year of tithing. So i got to explain this all here for a moment. Okay. So there's a whole, just so you understand what's going on. So now we have the other end of this. We have, first we have the person bringing Bikurim. This is the second of the two commandments, the only two commandments 
in this week's portion. And the second one, a person we know has a whole series of tithes. So you had to give mm-hmm. a tithe to the Kohen, to the Levi. There was a special tithe called Maishashemi, which is a tithe which you you actually ate, you had to eat. And you couldn't mm-hmm. be, this is where the reference is to the dead. When you ate the Maishashemi in Jerusalem, you had to be in a state of complete purity. You had you couldn't be you couldn't be impure. You had to give um, a, a tithing to the poor. You had to take care, which we're still responsible for. The other tithings we don't do today because we don't we don't you know uh, we don't have the temple and so on. But we mm-hmm. still are obligated to give to the poor. So what happened is the question is that now on how long God doesn't want you to go. Okay, I'll keep taking off you know a tithe. But I'll leave it in my garage and let it sit there for a while. So the answer is, how long do you have? So basically, we see here in the Torah, a person has three years to take care of this. You cannot have ties and go, well, I got these ties that have still been sitting for 18 years. You can't do that. So at the end of the maximum of, of, of the three years, a person has to take care, make sure that everyone has received their proper tithing. And then there's this other declaration. And this other declaration is very interesting because if you look at verse 15, it says, Hashkifa mimoin kochecha. Uh, now, the word hashkifa is a very interesting word. It's not a word most people will recognize, but it means examine from examine. It's actually used usually in a negative way. For instance, God looked down from heaven at Sodom, or the angels looked down to Sodom. It's usually used in a place of judgment. But what the person is saying is, look, I'm clean. I have fulfilled my end of the covenant. Please examine. That's what hashkifa means. Look down, but um, the word implies examine that I, in fact I have um, I have kept the commandments. I have taken care of the tithes. I have been clean, uh, meaning in a clean state for the Maishashani, the second tithe, and so on. And and therefore, I please God bless the people of Israel, the land that you gave. And you notice here, incidentally, heaven and earth. We're going to see later on. We come to Azino. We're calling heaven and earth as witnesses mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. heaven and earth really are always the witnesses here. Not you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to heaven. Something that's untestable. You can't see. And that's what also Isaiah is going to begin in the beginning that you know you know give testimony heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are the ones that give testimonies. We'll see because the the earth the the earth mm. will not give its fruit. The heaven will give its will go and give its rain and so on. So therefore, hashkifa means the person is saying, Hashem, I have in fact fulfilled my obligation and I kept my end of the covenant. And that's why this I'm not gonna we're gonna get to it now, but that's why this fits perfectly with what we're about to encounter in the second half of this portion, which is, again, the covenant. We keep our side, God keeps his side, we keep our side. But if that's broken, then things will go terrible. And that's why this fits. That's the symmetry of Parshas Kisavo. People may look at it as a disconnect. We have two agricultural commandments in the beginning. What does it have to do with this incredible blessings and the most horrific curses anywhere mm. in, in, in scripture like it's like what how are they connected uh, they're completely connected because you have 
the two declarations, one is God kept his promise, even though Lavan, the Aramean, tried to trick your forefather. It all led to a blessing. God, now I recognize it. And now I know that everything is from you. Even the things that I look terrible are all blessing from you, and I recognize it. Here are my first fruits. So, second, I am now keeping my end of the covenant. That's how this, this is, this is like music. So the, the return is the second commandment. I have kept my end of the covenant in that I have tithed, I have fed the hungry, clothed the naked, take care of the poor. I've given my end, done my end, and therefore look down from your holy place, from heavens, and bless the people. That's hmm. why this fits seamlessly with this very shocking chapters that, uh, passages that are going to follow now of the blessings and the curse. That It's two-way, and that's why this matches what's about to follow jason uh, yeah i just wanted to uh, kind of go over something that i've been thinking about for the last uh, few months mm -hmm. and, and and the subject is what what's the obligation and what's the see we we look at the word mitzvah and we we think mitzvah is like a, a good deed and that's kind of what it means really um but if it's if you're obliged to do that good deed how good is that deed really um, and what extra can we do on top? And what I find really interesting is the level playing field that the text offers everybody to, to do as much good as they can. So in the text, we already know that God says, set aside the corners of your fields mm -hmm. and the poor and the widow, mm -hmm. they can come in or the, you know, the widow's family can come in. They can glean these fields mm -hmm. so they can uh, get their own food for themselves and work for it. Um, and the vineyards, you don't pick everything from the vineyards, you don't pick it dry, so these people can mm -hmm. still go in. And at the beginning of chapter 26 to 12, in 12, we see um, when you've finished all the tithes, um, then you shall have some for the Levite, which is fair enough, but the stranger and the orphan and the widow, surely... We've looked after them already. Oh, because right? you're saying they're, they're already catered for within the Torah, and yet right. uh, there's provision here in this tithe. Well, there's provision in this tithe for extra provision for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, but also for the people that don't have vineyards and fields, right? Supposing okay. you're a, you, you breed goats, and you're like, well, I'd really like to help feed as well as clothe, and this gives the ability for the person to do that because it allows the the person That's a really good point not he's not limited by the obligation of the one mm -hmm. to say well no and this came up because i was talking to a friend of mine uh, rabbi neely about the talus okay and i said mm -hmm. um well you know i see a lot of um jews wearing the talus today um but the obligation isn't to wear the talus the obligation is that if you have a garment with four corners then you wear the zitzio on the four corners and therefore, you turn the garment that is already normal part of your life into this thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't understand how that is. How can you translate that into today's clothing when the garment is really something that you wear that's functional and the talus isn't that? You wouldn't choose to wear a talus today if it wasn't for the commandment. So it feels a little bit backwards. And he um, explained it in kind of a similar way that... The the commandment doesn't say you must wear a four-cornered garment. It says if you have a four-cornered garment. So people choose to have a four-cornered garment so they can fulfill the mitzvah. And that's kind of what's happening here, I think. For the people that don't have a field and don't have a vineyard, 
um, they still get to be included in the really important things about living in a community, the the homeless, the widows and the orphans. Mm. And uh, I just thought that was really lovely that um, it comes up here as part of um, a tithe for everybody. It's a, it's a really good point because I'd never thought, I mean, how do you glean a goat after it's already been milked, mm. for example? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a really good point. That's fair enough, Tobia. Yeah, well, person, this is referring to the Mysore Ani, the tithing that was given to the poor. Uh, even the shearings, a tithing had to be yeah. had to be given as well, and of course the gear is included here. What does the gear have to do with this? But as it turns out, a person who converts to Judaism doesn't have a plot of land, and mm-hmm. we see that the gear here we saw it before, and we're going to see it very very soon. Are put together with those who are the vulnerable members of society because they don't have their own land, they don't have a nachla, they were able to live on someone else's plot of land and work the field, but ultimately they had to be cared for because they didn't have what other Jews had, and that is their own plot of land. They had to be taken care of. And in fact, when the Jewish people, it's going to come up in a moment, thought that they were doing right by God by doing many other commandments, but they weren't caring for the weakest members of society, including the ger. Then in Isaiah, the, the worst things are told. God says, I don't even want the rest of this. That's the message. And this is what people forget, is this powerful message. And Jason's absolutely right. It's just magnificent, the mitzvah of wearing tzitzis, because if you don't have a four-cornered garment, you're not obligated to wear tzitzis. We actually voluntarily put on the four-cornered garment, which is not the normative cultural uh, clothing that people wear today, so that we can fulfill a mitzvah, which in reality, if you don't have a four-cornered garment, you have no obligation to put one on a wet tzitzis. Mm-hmm. Wow, really good. Boy, I'm glad you guys brought that up. It goes on in 16. This day, the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Mm. Today, you have proclaimed uh, the Lord your God's, uh, the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in his ways, his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and that you will obey all, uh, his voice. Uh, also, today, the Lord, has, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, mm. just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all the nations which he has made in praise, in name, in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken to you. We're going to see in a moment, I'm not going to give it away, but we're going to see in a moment, this is a very critical passage, because the passage is conveying that somehow the way the Jewish people behave, particularly in the land of Israel, is vital as a sign and emblem to all the nations of the world, to be a light to the world. And we're going to see that just right now in the very critical curses that are going to come up and you're going to see you're going to see something very intriguing but the reason mm-hmm. all this god what does it mean with the jews are chosen the jews are chosen to be a light to the nations to be yes. so that what so that we can be richer than them no the jews have suffered more than anyone else the purpose of the jew is to be an emblem to the world of how it how a firstborn son this is how one is to behave uh and what is to worship our father jason in verse 18, it says, um, and the Lord selected you on this day to be, and some people are going to find special, and some people are going to find peculiar, which I think is one of my favorites, um, but most people are going to find uh, treasured people, and I, I, I find that quite lovely in that 
some like when I was a little kid, I used to collect, and it sounds real weird, but um, snail shells, right? So uh, if a snail shell, Ooh. I found a really intact one, and it was pretty, that would be my treasure. It wasn't any great monetary value, but I found it That's a you. treasure, yeah. and um, I love I love the, the use of that word. But I think yeah, I've seen peculiar in a few translations that they should be a peculiar people. And I kind of like that idea too, that um, they're different, you know, different people that you look at them and they're distinguished from other people. I kind of like that. But there's a reference that you can um, link that to in Exodus uh, 19.5. It says that out of all the nations you right. shall um, be Same to me word. a treasure. That's lovely. Right. Beautiful. That, that's the role of the Jew. But again, it, it, it is specifically that you should be an example to the nations of the world now in how to behave. And if you mm-hmm. behave properly, then the nations, you'll be a horologoyim, a light to the nations. That's the role. If you break that, and if you don't fail in that task, that mandate, and you choose not to be Amsegula, then you don't need to be in the land of Israel. Now that I'm going to throw you out of the land of Israel. So the consequences for being perched in that position are very high. No one, let it not be said that anyone has suffered more in the land of Israel than the Jews. The Jews have been expelled from that land many, many times over. So we have, there is a, along with being a, a emblem and an example of the nations, comes the consequences if you fail this test and there's no need for you to be in the land of Israel. And the, the nation's going to suffer more than anyone will. It goes on in chapter 27. Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your fathers promised you. Therefore it shall be that when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, and you shall uh, use uh, you shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones. Uh, now, just there's two things here. First of all, uh, and we know that, that Joshua did do this when he crossed over the uh, uh, the Jordan. And um, but from a from an oral law perspective, Tobia, where it says write on them all the words of this law. How how is this understood? That in fact, not only is all the Torah, but you're going to see there in language very soon, but you to write it in a way that's understood. That in fact, not only was the Torah written, but in fact it was written with in with seventy translations for all the different uh, seventy languages of the world. That everyone would see and everyone would understand, and then you to coat it with a cement or a plaster on top of it so that it's protected, but anyone could oh, peel it back and be able to examine the words and then put place it on there. And this is very, very critical because here it's said that when you come into the land, the Torah is written down and it's it's engraved in stone. These are stones that no, uh, no metal tool uh, could be used on mm-hmm. it. And that's why, you know, it's like, this is like, just like, any of the commandment of the stone altar that was used in the in the uh, in the tabernacle in the temple, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything was written down on it. it was written down the way that anyone could understand. Jason, I like this. Uh, it reminds me of passport control, right? When you um, when you leave your country for the first time and you go to somewhere that's very different. Um, when we flew into um, 
Texas a few years ago, even though you think that you know we we share a common language for the most part, and you know we know what's going on. But when we landed, one of the first things you see is you are you're now in um, the United States of America, and you cannot do this, and you can do this, and you cannot carry that, and you can carry this. And uh, I feel that that's what this is like. They're setting up this um, zone where the people that come into this land have to understand what the rules of that land are, mm-hmm. and they make it as obvious and clear as possible. Um, it would be really interesting to find um, some um, mm. archaeological remnant of these stones just to see how they were done. I like to think well, that they were illustrated. Would, yeah, you know, illustrated be- with a hand. And the hands carrying a pig and a knife and fork, and there's like a cross for it saying no. And um, <laughs> but um, and sadly, there's nothing around at the moment. But one day, maybe I mean, we're finding things all the time. Well, I, I don't know that the great, uh, the detailed excavations have have uh, occurred on Mount Ebal, but uh, there is the the they know where the altar is, and it, it can be visited. We won't be going there on our tour because it's not the safest place to visit. Tobir, is that correct? Right, you'd, you'd need a. Um a military escort to go there. Mm, yeah, mm. we don't have one of those, even though we have Jason. But I'm yeah, so we have Jason. So we uh, we come and say we have Jason. And hopefully, we can to hide behind. But they but they do know where the altar is, right? But anyway, there there yeah. is that. I'd, no, like goes... I'd like to thank the Oslo Accords for that. That was really brilliant. You know, be, prior to this, you can go any of these places easily. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I used to go shopping in Ramallah all the time. It's not a problem. You just you could walk there from. Bethel, you just walk into Ramallah. And yeah, go really? You could walk into Gaza. Gaza was nothing. There was just one yeah. thing, like on a highway, with a pole up and down. You walk through, in, out, not a problem. But now right. we have the Oslo. We have peace, and now peace. We can't go there. Okay, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right, moving it. on. Verse eleven. Okay, so and Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, "These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people." And uh, when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, Benjamin, and and all these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Ashur, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. Uh, Tavia, is there any specific reason that they were divided that way? Uh, you know, I was, I've researched it. So if you look at the families, uh, those, I just want to make sure we get the translation correct. Uh, Shimon, so the ones who are on Mount Gerizim, where the blessings are from, is Shimon, Levi, Yehudi, Soschor. Those are all uh, from the, tri- those are all descendants of Leah. The Yosef. Now, notice that, yes, there is a reason why Yosef is chosen here, is because Levi is included. Um, the other children that go on Aval who are going to respond to the curses, this is, we have Ruvain, but Ruvain is a problematic son in that he's a firstborn, but he's made many mistakes. And we have mm. other children here, but these other children are from Billa and Zilpa. So you have, mm. you have it divided in an unusual way. There is something I think people are going to notice, so, so I just want to uh, highlight it now. Uh, when You always have to have 12 tribes. When Levi is included, and given that Levi needs the blessings like everyone does, and they have to follow the Torah, so Levi's included, and we don't have Ephraim, Menashe, divided, but rather Joseph is there as a single, as a, as a tribe. 
but also the elders of the Levites, that means the 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 elders went down in the valley between mm. the two, and they were there with the Ark of the Covenant, and they would make these declarations, these 12 declarations of curses that we're going to see in a moment and try to figure out what do these, what is the common thread that moves through these uh, 12 curses. Okay. Well, this is what it says uh, from 14. And the Levites, the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, and here's the first one, verse 15, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. Now, each of these curses, by the way, are followed by the phrase, and the people shall answer and say, Amen. Always have to ask questions like, why are these? What we're going to have here is twelve curses. Mm-hmm. What did like? Wh- why don't we have other like? Don't rob a bank. Like, how did these curses get in here? Yeah. Uh, why isn't homosexuality going to be in these curses? But there's going to be incest in here. That means there's a there's a there are very there's a very important thread here. Why isn't curses the one who doesn't keep the Sabbath? Why That's, isn't that I was just going to say, why okay, isn't that so there? Got to yeah. examine this, my friends. This is humongous. Now, also, one other thing, listen carefully, Kinlach. There are two words for bless, as you know. We've talked about it many mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. The kalel means one kind of curse, which means done with. But oror is curse. But oror means that there is an, an underlying message is that the person should, of course, repent, because or means light. So, arur ish, which means curse, but also the person should repent and do tshuva. Let's take this very first one, because this, everyone should ask one humongous question. What, would you, what question would you ask about verse 15? Verse 15 is, the, is what? What exactly? Because it is the one who makes a carved image, a more so what's molded the image, an abomination to the Lord. Well, this is against uh, idolatry, right? No, no. because Why? Because it's it is, of course, it is, but it's a special kind of idolatry. Because mm-hmm. what does he do? Read the end. Sets of it, it up in secret. Oh, what is that? Okay, that is the big clue on everything that we're about to read. Uh, this is not okay. a general. Of course, it's forbidden. I'm the Lord your God. I have another God. These twelve are all the kinds of sins that a person outwardly. I'm living a beautiful life. No one is seeing. I go to synagogue, but in secret in his closet, he's got a little idol. These are the kinds of sins, number one, that people don't see. For example, we're going to have a person who's going to going to make. Oh, Curses the one who Michale. You know, oh, someone who's a little bit too kind to their pet. Pet? Yeah, the pets. What pets? Their okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. These are the people with the, the one these. Who, these are the people with the skeletons in the closet, right? Oh wait! Well, oh, 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 sorry. You're way ahead. Of me. Okay, so <laughs> the person makes light fa- makes light of his father and mother. I mean, does not accord them the proper honor. Nobody sees that. In the middle of the night, you have a neighbor and you have a landmarker. But quietly, secretly, what do you do? You move the landmarker so nobody sees. That means be very careful because God sees everything that's going on. And if you think you're going to outwardly, that's the whole Isaiah chapter 1, you're going and screaming and hisses all your things, but quietly you're living a completely different life where you're quietly stealing from your neighbor. You've got an idol, but this is not a general prohibition of idolatry. It's curses a person who secretly has 
because the idol is hidden. Why is incest mentioned here? Why not other sins? Incest is t- says, for instance, curses the person who sleeps with his father's with his father's wife, as an example. Mm. And then the because and then it then it springs in curses the one who 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 commits the act of bestiality. Clearly, the Torah is saying, in case you don't get how evil incest is, it is ju- is just like is it wicked mm-hmm. as bestiality. But the key is when you're at home and no one's watching, who's at home with you? Your family, mm-hmm. right? You're alone. So the therefore the, these this sort of sexual immorality is the kind of immorality that people never find out about it becomes this family mm. secret of shame that right. is hidden uh, right. in contrast to this take um uh, someone having sleeping with a married woman and so on in those cases a person has to make all kinds of arrangements they have to meet at the holiday inn it's a whole it's mm. a whole big mm. thing no these are the things that could all be done in quiet because it is natural and normative that people are alone with their with their closest family and therefore watch out and therefore mm. these are all coming up here the other thing that these all these curses if you keep going here what does that mean? Cursed is the the one who 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 hits his uh, friend stealthily in secret. So that's number one. All these are. What is the guy who takes the judge? Who takes bribery? Person doesn't take bribery in public. A judge takes bribery under the table. That's where the money comes in, and that's so. Therefore, this is the great curses. Don't even dare try to pull this off. God sees everything. There is something else that's very delicious, and that is that all of these commandments, think about them. Are they obligatory on a non-Jew or not? Oh, well, that's a good question too. So, well, they're they're spoken to, uh, well, the, ch- the children of Israel are speaking them back and forth. Yeah, but uh, think about all these sins. Are think about the seven Noahide laws, which is really about sixty-nine laws. If you look carefully at these, you'll notice something very interesting. There, all the commandments that are selected here are commandments that are, that a non-Jew is obligated to as well. Bestiality is forbidden to a Gentile. Incest is forbidden to a Gentile. A Gentile has to have. It means if you are going to see this is so delicious. This ties together with the passage that Jason identified. I said, give it a moment, and you're going to see what it means. You are to be a treasured people. What treasured people mean? Treasure people means that you are the nation to which all other nations will look uh-huh. to to know how to worship God. If Shabbos was brought here, if Yom Kippur was brought here, if eating pork was brought here, so that has nothing to do with you being an emblem to how non-Jews should behave. Why? Because they're not obligated to keep those commandments. So the, there's two features to these to these curses that we have here. Number one is these are all things that are done quietly. Incest is the kind of thing that no one finds out. It's the highest shame. Bestiality. No one has to know about it. There's no arrangements. You don't have to arrange to meet with your donkey at, at the La Quinta <laughs> Inn. I'm sorry. I don't mean to do that, but, but it, it is, that's what's going here. Uh, be careful those who do not judge Look, by the way, Gary Yosem Valmona. This is what I was talking about in verse mm-hmm. nineteen. The the Gare, the the proselyte, the the um, the orphan and the widow. You see, they're they're mm-hmm. bunched together. The Gare were people who were on the edge of society. God wa- 
wash warns us many times be very very careful in protecting them because they're they're very they 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 they're the most vulnerable so number one is these are all secret sins that people that people don't see and you see it right in the beginning it doesn't say they you know curse is the one who just worships idols it's the one who does it in secret this is the worst right. possible thing to do second thing is this connects seamlessly to being an amsegula what is it the uh, the whole idea is that these are things all these things are prohibited to a non-jew all of these fall into the seven Noahide laws. Every one of them. A non-Jew is not allowed to worship idols. A non-Jew is not allowed to sleep with a sister. A non-Jew is not is not allowed to uh, have a an unjust court system. He must have mm-hmm. a just court system. That's the seventh of the commandments. And therefore, this connects to what does it mean you're to be treasured? Like we we get like special bonus play? No, it means you're representing your God's firstborn son. What does that mean? Why is the Bechor, the firstborn, given double uh, portion of the inheritance? Because he represents the parents of the younger children. And therefore, be very careful how you behave. And you think it's in secret? God is watching. God sees everything. And that's why specifically Noahide laws are brought here and Noahide laws that can be done in secret. So let me understand then, verse 26, if these are laws for all the nations, and we get to verse 30, uh, the last curse, Cursed is the one who does this not conform yeah. to all the words of this law by observing them, and all the people shall say amen. Now, all the words of this law, is it just the uh, from, from verse 15? No, no, uh, this, is, verse this is, what does this mean? All, this is all the Torah. This is, but the, now, Paul is going to play a game here with this. Well, he does in, in what is it, Galatians chapter 3, I think? The key is what the the text. I want to read the Hebrew to you, so it's a person mm. should understand. Or Yokim is divrei hatayr hazois, which means curses. Now the Christian translation. I don't know how they render it. Who does not observe or keep? I don't know what. It, but the word is Yokim means who doesn't establish the commandments of all, all the Torah to do them. What does it mean? Establish. It's a very strange language. Established means that if a person says, you don't have to keep a mitzvah, a person says, this commandment is not really from God. If a person is mm-hmm. going to cherry pick and say, this is not the, the word of Hashem, a person says, I'm, that's the per- A person who says, I accept that the whole Torah is from God. Does it mean that a person would never sin, would never make a mistake? Of course it doesn't mean that. It's, you know, if I wanted to become a citizen of Australia, right, I, mm. I, I'm sure I would have to take a series of oaths at some yes. stage to gain citizenship. And what is the, what, what is, what is that, it says is I swear I vow to what? Uphold all the laws of Australia. I'm guessing something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How it doesn't say Australia doesn't make a new citizen say, "I swear never to break a law." There is no country has that. Every country says, "I will uphold it." That means that I am buying into the whole system. I accept all, all the laws of Australia, and that I know that they are the right thing. It doesn't, but a person will make a mistake. A person will not. 
to the right. There's no question that people will do something wrong, but I establish, that I swear that I accept all the Torah is the word of God, and this is proper. It's not saying that I will never make a mistake. And the Torah provides provisions that if a person sins, depending on the type of sin, how to repent of that sin. But if a per- it's very different that if a person sins because they erred, or a person sins because they say, I don't believe it's from God. That's a whole do ball game. If you say that I don't accept this is from God, or I don't accept the reign of God, then you're in completely you're at war with God, and then you're under this curse. Okay, so now, you know, you mentioned Paul, so let me just read what he uh, said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 and on. It says, for as many uh, are of the, the works of the law, uh, they're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Right. So he does not have the word establish. The no. Key, the key point, what Paul is doing is, uh, I'm using the word brilliant in italics, Paul is setting up a a a, um, a scarecrow, a you know, and, and mm. toppling it. It's not real. The commandment is cursed as a person says it's not from God. I don't have to keep it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't accept the Torah. That's and that's what the word is to establish it. Paul right. can't have the Paul has to explain that the law is a curse and nobody can keep it, and therefore don't bother. And then all of Galatians three really is to say all you have to do is have faith, and that faith which is the earlier covenant that's the that's all you have to do. And he brings the proof from this. It's a complete misreading of the text. Mm. And in fact, if we were to so what Paul says, and how do you explain King David's forgiveness? How do you explain mm. Ninveh's forgiveness? How do you explain mm. Menasha? Mm. And nobody, I don't care, if you listen to the show, I don't care what you've done wrong in your life, no one has done things as wicked. You've never come close to Menasha. Mm. He, mm. he repented, and God yes. forgave him. Now, if God yep. can forgive Menasha, he can forgive you. So what does that mean? That means that what Paul is conveying in Galatians is opposed by the prophets of Israel. That's mm. precisely the point. The point is, if you say, if a person gives in to their weaknesses, into their tithes, into their desires, so God says, look, I can forgive you for that, and God does forgive people for that. But if you deny it and say, this is not from God, or I don't accept it, then you're cursed, that, because mm. you don't establish these words and accept them that I recognize that that uh, that these laws are directly from God. Very That's good. why it says Yokim, who does not say you won't find a translation for this in Galatians three. It's Paul has to strip that out. Mm. His point is by the way, I want to make a point here on the Christian Bible. I disagree with the the exegesis that many people have on on Matthew five seventeen. Many people say, "Oh, you know, Jesus says that you know I didn't come to destroy the law, to keep the law. If you don't keep one jot, one tittle law." And most scholars line up on this, and I, I, I pre- I'm sure you've had the same thing. Say, ah, you see there that somehow Matthew is advocating that uh, you you know you're supposed to keep the law, and therefore many people feel that this statement in Matthew five is intentioned is contradicts. Paul, as some Christian scholars have said, if you put Matthew and Paul in a room alone, only one guy would come out alive. Well, well, this is, okay, so you, but you're quoting from the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, five verse 17, 18, right. 19. 
uh, where Jesus uh, seems pretty clear to say that even the least of the commandments you should be keeping and teaching, and those who do not do so uh, shall be called least yeah. in the kingdom of heaven, whatever that means. Unless you're, you know, your righteousness exceeds those of the Pharisees. Mm. Now, look at the whole sermon. Now, what does it say? That even if you feel anger, if you feel lust, as if you murdered, as if you committed adultery. Matthew, really, everybody's got it wrong on this one. Matthew is not saying that you're supposed to keep commandments. This, what is really, if you, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, what is, what is in view there is that this is the standard you have to keep. You not only have to keep commandments, you have to keep commandments more aggressively and zealously than the Pharisees, more than them, and even if you think about it, you're ready as if you did it. What does that mean? It's the same thing as Paul. It's saying you can't do it. By the time you read that, you're going, wait, I could, I could perhaps not commit adultery. I could be faithful to my wife, but not feeling for a moment lust in my heart, that's inconceivable. So therefore, it really is what Matthew is setting up. In my opinion, I think everyone's wrong on this one. What Matthew is setting up is you can't keep the commandments. So, And this is the setup. Are you going to be able to fulfill what we are told Jesus said? I don't think I believe Jesus ever would have said anything like this. But what Matthew is setting up in a very elaborate sermon, much more elaborate than what Luke has in the plane, is that, in fact, no one can do this. Matthew and Paul are conveying the same thing. What Matthew is doing is a storytelling, which is all the Gospels do this, uh, not in this kind of aggressive creedal statements of Paul, and Paul is saying this is the law is a curse, you can't do it, You, it's only by faith to be saved. I, they are the, really the same. It's a big misunderstanding that Matthew so somehow taking, was Lubavitcher who said that you have to keep the commandment. That's not what Matthew is going on. Matthew does not care about people observing commandments. Taking into consideration that Matthew was written after Galatians as well. Uh, Jason, you were going to say? Yeah, I just wanted to um, take my own swing at um, 2726, because uh, he does not uphold the whole words of the Torah. So when, when you were um, asking Toby the original question, I kind of got um, in my mind that the, the, the question that some people may be asking from home is this. And I'm, I'm going to forfeit the who is Israel question, because that's a show on its own. But um, there may be people at home who say, look, I'm Israel, and it clearly says here that I have to do all of the Torah and fulfill it, right? And they're going to read that as, therefore, I have to, I'm obligated to do all of the commands. But on top of what Toby's obviously just said, much of the Torah simply doesn't relate to everybody that's listening. So there are commands for the Levi, there are commands for... Um, children, there are commands for parents, there are commands for farmers, some com- um, commands for people that have vineyards, there are commands for um, men and the, commands for women. For women, yeah. They have, you accept, as Toby said, the whole of the law, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you can't get to do, do the whole of the law. Most of the commandments there. have to do with the whole nation, corporate Israel right. commandments. The key point is this. That what is being conveyed here, that every Jew has to accept the validity of the Torah. That's what the word establish it. And one is forbidden to say that even one commandment isn't relevant. But the curse doesn't mean on any Jew who commits a sin. If the person, let's say a person uh, here in Indonesia. So it, as I'm going into the mall, which is below where I live, mm-hmm. there's a big pork store. In Indonesia, it's unusual. They have a big sign. But anyway, I think pork looks disgusting. But this place, they kind of grill it in a certain way. And they have it hanging. Let's say, uh, let's say it's a, it's a Korean shop that has pork all over the place. 
So let's say I go, oh, man, that looks so good. The mall closed at 10 o'clock at night when no one's looking. I just, I can't. I can't. I pass by this pork. It stares at me every day. I, I, I have to eat it. I'm not saying that I don't believe the Torah is from God. I, I just I'm I am giving in to my lust and to my desire. So mm-hmm. therefore I'm not saying the Torah is not from God, just as somebody who sins in other ways. They're not saying the Torah is not from God. They're a person, however, is breaking down in their state of weakness. So therefore what we're seeing over here is that you must establish this, that we're saying that all the Torah is from God and we establish mm-hmm. it's from God and everything is relevant and a person is cursed. If they say, no, you don't have to give. That was back then in the old days. Today you can get married, you can marry, you, 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 whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's not relevant today. That was 3,000 years ago, not today. We see a lot of that. That's mm. what, If you do that, then you're in very serious trouble. Blessings on obedience, chapter 28. I love the way this begins now, Shell. Now, let me just actually, I'm going to read the verse uh, before it again. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. And again, the Lord I, I, your so God, I apologize. I apologize. This, so you know, the, the words are important here, because it says here, V'hoya im tishma, that if you will listen to the voice of God, your God, lishma, last place is called mitzvah and that is to guard to do all of his commandments that the Lord has commanded you. So that's what we'll mm-hmm. do. We'll say to guard it, to understand that it's valuable. You know, it's, I, I, just, I just have to do this for a moment. There are four, because this may be subtle and you can't miss this point. We're told by doctors, nutritionists, and everyone, there's certain foods that are healthy and some foods that are not healthy, okay? It's not healthy to eat steak all day and it's healthy, you know, it's not healthy to smoke cigarettes. It's not. Mm-hmm. But let's say you'd have a person who goes, I need a cigarette, and have a cigarette. The person, if a person says, it's a, a person says, look, I can't control myself, I needed the nicotine, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not saying that smoking is, doesn't cause heart disease and cancer. They just gave in. They're not denying the principle of medicine or of all the research that's been conclusive that there are 250 carcinogens in a cigarette. They're just saying, I gave in to my desire mm-hmm. to have a cigarette or to God knows whatever else. But imagine how different that is when the person says, I think all the, that research is a bunch of lying bunk and cigarette smoking is more healthy than jogging. So then the person is completely <laughs> off the wall. That's exactly right. what this means. It means that you're denying the validity of the principle. It doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake. You make a mistake, the Torah has all kinds of provision for the mistake, but don't say it's mm-hmm. not from God. Excellent. That's very good. Okay. I and, had to explain that point. And, uh, and it goes on to say, that, um, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and, in, and blessed in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be uh, be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed uh, shall you be when you come in when and, and when you go out. I, I'm just going to comment on this. This is what we are now encountering is the blessing and the curse. 
there is a what appears to be a parallel chapter in the Bible, and that's Leviticus 26, which mm-hmm. also has the blessing and the curse. You ask, what is the distinction between them? They're, they're enormous. And the very big one is that in Leviticus chapter 26, we have the blessing and the curse. Yeah. It's, it's spoken in the plural, that God is speaking to the entire nation. And therefore, it's going to speak a little differently all of this, it doesn't come across in the English translations, almost all of it, except for exceptions that I'll point out to you, is in the singular, speaking to an individual, in the singular. And therefore, I'm talking to you right now. Be careful how you act. Be careful what you're doing. This is coming from the mouth of Moses through God. Be careful mm-hmm. how you personally act, because it, it the, either the heavens and the earth will give forth blessings, and we're going to see tremendous 98 curses that are going to come here that are going to be shocking. Yeah, no, but, but there's so much more detail in the, yes. in, in the cursing there. I mean, we're, we're halfway through the blessing already. It says that the Lord will cause your enemy uh, who rises against you to, to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you one way and flee before you yeah, seven ways. Think about that, sweethearts, because, you know, we are at a very big advantage now where we're living in this time. We are very likely living in the midst of messianic prophecies that are unfolding before our eyes, uh, given everything that uh, that's happening around us now. So, but you know, you think about like what happened in the '67 war as an example, where the little Israel went and defeated the. In fact, the Jordan did exactly. They came against Israel. They started shooting missiles from one spot. Is the the Israelis went in and the the Jordanian just fled in every direction and they just fled in every way and they were so confused that the at the time he was the chief rabbi of the IDF uh, Shlomo Gorin he mm-hmm. thought the Hebron had been liberated he went there on his own to go make sure everything was taken care of and they all surrendered to the chief rabbi of Israel the IDF didn't even make it there and mm. he's clear in I, I just want to pause we're about to see blessings that make complete sense to us. And I have to say, in praise of my great-great-grand, our great-grandparents, they read these passages too. But they didn't have the hindsight that we have today. Because we see, we've seen this in our eyes. We're all the enemies of God. They went running from, from a, the nation that emerged from the ashes of the Holocaust. Mm. And we've seen the horrible curses that are really, now we can only understand. So imagine how much faith a Jew had to have 200 years ago in Hungary, in Munkach, mm, mm. in, 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 in and Budapest, that they had yeah. to read this and go, like, what, what really horrible thing? What, what really are we talking about? Mm. What do you mean they'll run from you in seven directions? Today mm. we see this all before our eyes. We're seeing miracles. And right now, I know that you, my brothers and sisters, are nervous about Iran. Don't worry. God has a plan for it. Just trust in Hashem. And that's what's very key. So we're seeing the blessings here. The blessings are in the land. Look what the what the Europeans are doing. They're boycotting Israel's what? Their fruits and vegetables. How did that happen? That Israel should mm. export it. That's the blessings mm. that are happening. That's it. The, the Lord will command a blessing on your storehouses. Uh, and in all to which you set your hand, he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see uh, that you are called by the name of cute. the Lord. That's cute. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty uh, of goods uh, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce, in the 
uh, of the ground and the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain in the land in its season and to bless uh, the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath if, there it is again, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, uh, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you uh, this day. To the left or to the right to go after other gods to serve them. Tobia. Yeah, and we see this. I mean, how often do we see that? You know, Ben-Gurion who said, you know, it's not important what the nations say, it's what the Jews do. They, you know, they, the, when the God gives the nation of Israel the blessing, so then, yeah, it's true that the Ronald Reagan said, don't you dare go attach or attack Iraq. And so on. But Israel was the head and not the tail. And then all the nations stood back. How oh, John, the, the, all these things that Israel did, the world just stood in shock and awe. But when Israel acts weak and turns against God, then Israel becomes the tail and all the nations are wagging the Jews around and the Jews then are just, and that's what's going to come into view right now. Mm. All this we have seen with our own eyes. Now, here we have the curses, and uh, I mean, the blessings, you know, it's, it's half a page. The curses go on for about two and a half pages, and uh, Toby, you, you might want to summarize that, but I'll just highlight one verse, and that's almost in the middle of the curses, verse 37, and you shall become an ah, astonishment. Perfect. That's, I, you want to know something unbelievable? So, I was thinking to myself that that's the passage I want, it's so important mm. that I want to do, that, that like... The, <laughs> Beautiful. Go ahead. It says, you shall become an, an astonishment, a proverb, uh, a byword among yes. all nations where the it, Lord will drive you. Yes, that means you literally, the, the, you will be, it's like, I don't know if they have it in Australia, Jeopardy. Do they have the game show they play? Oh, Jeopardy. the game show? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you say, you know, a nation that's persecuted, a nation that's been exiled. So they go, who are the Jews? That means the Jews <laughs> have become, we see this, by the way, in Psalm 44. We are cursed all day long, all the nations. We become a byword for a persecutor. When you think about a nation, you know, who has been persecuted, who has suffered, mm. you you will become a shock. The world will be horrified by what you will, what you will do, and you'll be lemushal. It's like this book called Mishlei, meaning a Proverbs. You'll be an example, a parable. That means you you suffer like the Jews. The Jews will be the the paradi- the paradigm of a nation that mm. suffers. That's how all that. And what is so interesting here is the Torah is guaranteeing in a few in a moment. I won't utterly destroy you. You could have been very great in number. You'll be few in number. So the author of the book, who could have written this? Only God because it's saying you're going to endure things that are so horrible it says you won't even believe what you're seeing you'll go crazy so the Torah almost is taking a step back and saying I can't even describe to you the sights you're going to see but he said sugar and you will be go crazy from seeing we now know what the, the we now can see the images that are unimaginable that the, mm. astonish the world and yeah. therefore this is the reason why, uh, I'll just say personally, but I think the reason why people of faith are not rocked by the suffering of the Jew 
is because it comports with the Torah. That means even though I can't explain the Holocaust, I mean, who, who would dare do that? I mean, I, I can't explain that. But I can say this, that if in fact the Jews had not suffered unimaginable suffering throughout history, I would then question the veracity of the Torah. Mm. So therefore, you know, there's a Yiddish saying, you don't die if you just can't explain everything. Because these are not existential questions. As mm. it turns out, the suffering of the Jewish people, the Torah predicted precisely that would happen. And therefore, mm. as a person of faith, I have to ask one question. Are the events that have unfolded before my eyes, both the unimaginable horrors of the past and the great miracles that were that are unfolding in our eyes now, does that comport with Scripture, mm. or is it or is it disconfirmed by the Bible? The answer is it's fulfilled. In contrast, you look at the New Testament; though, many of the general not passed. All this nonsense, none of that's filled. But here we see that exactly what we're. This is why people who are of faith, who know Scripture, of course. We, we, we want to see all the blessings we want to repent but our faith is not shaken by the horrible things that have happened to us in the best why because exactly what the Torah says would happen and whoever wrote this book could have only been God because who would predict that these most the worst things you'd be the most persecuted people in history you'd be exiled from your land everything that would contribute to the demise of a nation will occur to you but you're going to still be an eternal nation and we see that of course also in Leviticus 26 and if therefore the- we no, uh, therefore, we know that this is from God, and therefore it doesn't shake our faith, because this is what it says would happen. If we had died out, this this is no longer valid. If we were great in number and popular, this is no longer yeah, valid. But God, after three right. and a half thousand years, here yeah. it is still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's now, true. If, if, if the Jews would be the most... Greatest thing, and no one would ever curse our name, and Jews would never go. You can take the Bible and throw it in the garbage. If the Jews disappeared, the Bible is worthless. Mm. The Torah we see is predicting these are unimaginable, saying, but you are an eternal nation. But the key is that we have to be a treasured nation because the whole world is looking at you. And that's this connects to the curses we saw earlier, the 12, and then those are not Shabbos and keeping the holidays. These are specifically those things that the nations have to watch you. And if you do that, you're going to suffer tremendously. And you're going to suffer from non-Jews. With verse 37 in mind, I'm just going to continue from 64. It says, Then the Lord will scatter you among all the people from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. Now, you mentioned, you, you highlighted that last time it was mentioned. Just just give it to us again, well, wood yeah, and stone. Yeah, I mean, this is not typical. First, one of the Nachmanides famously explains that, in fact, there are two uh, of these blessings and curse pa- chapters. The, the one earlier, Leviticus, in mm-hmm. a way, is uh, speaking of the Babylonian exile, which was nothing compared to this exile that we're in now. Normally, when the Torah says you worship other gods, it's gods of gold and silver. <laughs> but mm. what is the? But here we're dealing with an exile that's so horrible, so terrible. And there you'll worship gods, unique wooden stone. There's no gold and silver here, and then. Jewish traditions, wood represents, would therefore, there's obviously, there are two religions dominant in the world, and that's the religion that is the religion represented 
represented by the cross, the wood, and mm-hmm. the religion that's dominated, that's, that's represented by the Kaaba, by the stone. And therefore, there is in a tradition of this is an allusion to the two religions of the second exile, which would be much, much more horrific, which we have endured now uh, for uh, 2,000 years. Yeah, and it goes on in 65, and among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place, but there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, anguish of soul, your life shall hang in doubt before you, and you shall fear day and night, and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening, and in the evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning, because of the fear which terrifies your heart, because of the sight which your eyes see. Oh, my goodness. And the, and the final verse uh, of the uh, this of is chapter read, 28. This is read quietly. In this, it, the, actually, the reader of the Torah of the Torah mm-hmm. reads this kind of a little bit quietly. People listen to it, but people start crying. I've witnessed this mm-hmm. being in the synagogue. Yeah, really. And if this is read properly, people start crying. This portion of the Torah, incidentally, is, it was engineered by Ezra. So it's always read two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. Always. No matter what, any year you want, this Kisavo is always read before Rosh Hashanah. Obviously, so that people would repent. Obviously, that people would prepare yes. themselves for the Day of Judgment. Just so you know, this is the portion has to come out before Rosh Hashanah every single year. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships. By the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one they, will buy even, you. They won't even want you as a slave. I mean, you're going to be completely worthless. Aye. Yep. That's, uh, that's the way that, uh, that the curses end in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Chapter 29 These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, Now you have seen that the Lord uh, the, that the Lord did before uh, your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to, uh, and to all his land, the great trials by which your eyes have seen, the signs and those wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. What does that mean? Well, that means that what's happened is that you have, uh, you have made grievous mistakes in your life and be careful because you've been given an ear. It means this is very much like what you find in Isaiah chapter 43 mm-hmm. that you've been given an ear but make sure you use the ear not just to visit not just to physically hear sounds but to in fact listen to inculcate these teachings and to listen to his voice and to follow in his ways so make sure you use your ears not just physically but also spiritually Okay, because we understand that, I mean, we read on a number of occasions in Exodus that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's not what we're looking at here. It's just that it says, yet the Lord has not given you a, a heart to perceive and eyes to see. He is here to this very day. I kind, of want, I kind of look at that as, um, you know how Tovia was saying that sometimes we see Israel going through these horrendous things and we really only understand the purpose of those things when we get mm-hmm. to a certain point that we can look back. And so I think that while um, Israel was um, receiving some blessings, which they looked at 
grudgingly the manor in the um, desert. They were complaining about the quail, which they complained about. They got and made them sick. Uh, this is slavery. There's all these things that happened to them. And now I think they're at the point where they can look back. And up until this point, they couldn't retrospectively understand what was going on. But now they can. And they can see that there are, there's that a critical juncture now. Right. right. Mm-hmm. There's, there are blessings and there are curses. And these are all dependent on how they live their lives. That's, what, that's how I read that anyway. And, 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 you know, just to highlight, Jason says, imagine if we could go back in history uh, to the uh, time of the first temple. And we had this Torah in front of us. We really would have no idea the full force of what's being conveyed here. And no idea. But now we're living in a time where we can now, where virtually all of human history is behind us. Mm. And now we can look back and say, wow, you know, all of this now really makes sense. That no, no mind, no ears could possibly have apprehended what we now could see because we see it before us today. Verse 5, I have led you... Forty years in the wilderness, your clothes have not worn out on you, your sandals have not worn out on your feet, nor have you eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Basan, came out against you in battle, and we conquered them. And uh, yeah, we we took their land, we gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and uh, to to the half-tribe of uh, Manasseh. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. That's where our Torah portion ends. And so just, a, just a little point here. I mean, you could see why the portion ends here in verse 8 of chapter 29 and doesn't end at the end of 28 because we, portions of the Torah, with one exception, end on a positive note. Mm. And therefore... Mm-hmm. You know, just as, you know, a parent scolds the child and may smack a child or punish a child very severely, at the end of the day, the parent kisses the child, says, I love you, and whatever I punish you, all these horrible things I care about, portions end differently. So you see how this is divided up. So look, here's the whole picture. I really loved you. I I brought you through the wilderness. I took care of you. You saw it with your own eyes. You saw it. You heard it. You experienced it. Now would you consider devoting your life to the covenant that I'm making with you today. Mm -hmm. There it is. Jason, parting thoughts. Yeah, I just wanted to um, paint a little uh, really quick picture. Um, We read there that um, their clothes didn't wear out and their sandals didn't wear out and that this is somehow a sign that they've been looked after by the creator. And it reminds me of um, 2 Kings 5 when Naaman um, goes to Elisha to get healed of leprosy and uh, Elisha won't leave his house, right? He says, um, go off and submerge yourself seven times in the Jordan and uh, Naaman's really annoyed, right? I was going to say another word, but he's really miffed. (laughs) And um, he's like, you know, I've got, there are better rivers where I come from. But the reason Elisha doesn't come out is because he doesn't want Anaman to think, oh, well, um, Elisha healed me, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and in the same way, um, I think that we've got an instance here where Israel is, is being shown in a very physical way that nothing they did fed them, clothed them, or protected their feet. It was all the creator. And mm-hmm. I just, there's a little mirror there of those two stories. And uh, I thought I'd share. Very good. Thank you, my friend. That's good. Now, listen, before we go, just a quick public announcement for everybody. We are going to Israel this coming November, and there's been a couple of spots that have opened up. Some some people, due to health reasons, have had to uh, pull out of going. Now, 
If there is anyone out there that would like to join us, Tovia, Jason, myself, well, we are going to Israel for, what is it, 10 days? And uh, The details are uh, on this post. You can click on the, the link on this post. But if you would like to come, you need to pay straight away. This is the final call, people. If there's anyone else who'd like to come, there's just a few spots available. And so there will be a link on this post if you would like to do that. Excellent. Thank you, Jason of spiritualbabies.net. Spiritualbabies.net. Now, just really, really quickly as well, i got to say, Jason, you're one of my favorite artists of all time. You really, really are. And I just wanted to, because I've been looking at some of your, your stuff lately that you've been putting up uh, that I see on, on Facebook. Can you just tell everyone uh, where you where they can see your art and where they can buy it? Right, so I do. I share a lot on Facebook, um, but I've got kind of a digital area on a on a really big art site called Deviant Art. It's all one word, and uh, I've got a profile on there. You can literally put in Deviant Art forward slash uh, Spiritual Babies, and you can find all my stuff. And uh, you can then via the website you can purchase that as kind of a print or a canvas in lots of different sizes, and I get a little cut of that comes to me. The rest goes to the website, but. It doesn't matter. Um, um, what, I like the idea of people hanging it in their homes. Um, but uh, yeah, if people you hear want that, to support me. He said he likes the idea of people hanging him in, his, in their homes. Is that what he said? <laughs> <laughs> but people are, are free to go and um, check that out. And uh, if you can support me that way, then I'm very appreciative. And did you just say, by the way, that you can, you can, you can purchase it in canvas, not just print, but in canvas? Yeah, so um, some, some of the work I do is it looks kind of two-dimensional right so the stuff i do on photoshop for example comes out very flat but i also use a program called art rage which um imitates paint and paint strokes and sometimes you when you you get that on canvas it looks like a regular painting rather than a digital print oh no i gotta get that that's brilliant that's awesome so i'm gonna put a link on this post for that as well i don't think we mentioned it enough in fact i think that's the first time we mentioned it so <laughs> thanks for that also tobiasinger.tv tobiasinger.tv where you can see all of uh Tobias videos they're all there collected in one place tobiasinger.tv don't forget dear listeners let's get biblical why doesn't judaism accept the christian messiah volumes one and two by Toby Singer. You can get that on Amazon. You can get it at his at his website, outreachjudaism.org. Outreachjudaism.org. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming back on. Until next week, dear listeners, be blessed and set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom. Shalom.